podcast series by the National Kidney Foundation. Our goal with this podcast is to take a look at nephrology as a career and why medical students choose it. We're exploring what day-to-day life is like for nephrologists at different points in their careers and highlighting their stories and experiences. I'm Laura Brereton, Director of our Clinical Practice Guideline Development Program, Kidoki. Thanks for joining me. Today, I'm talking with a fascinating person, Dr. Lisa Weber, a nephrologist and dialysis medical director in Wichita, Kansas. Dr. Weber has a busy and multifaceted career involving caring for CKD and transplant patients in the city of Wichita and traveling to oversee dialysis clinics in the surrounding areas. She attended medical school at the University of Kansas and completed nephrology fellowship at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. We talk about some of the joys and challenges of practicing as a rural nephrologist and how she wears a lot of hats by necessity. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Laura, for having me uh, talk about my career in nephrology and actually healthcare. I'm very excited to give my perspective from a Midwestern uh, spiel. It's great to have you. I mean, as uh, most listeners will probably know, a lot of the people who've come on to, to talk on this podcast have been from cities or from the coast. So this is really a treat for us. The first thing I wanted to ask you, having looked over your CV and having a conversation with you before, is that you began your career as a nurse. I wanted to ask what that experience was like and how and when you decided to pursue a medical degree. Actually, I started to want to be a doctor when I was 14. My mother actually was a nurse. My dad was a farmer, and I really wanted to be an MD since I was 14. The problem was about 18 years old. um, My family was pretty poor. That's when the uh, farm economy was going downhill, and so I ended up having to go to school. I had to put myself through school, and so I went ahead and went to a, a junior college. I needed a career quick that was fast that I could get paid and support myself. So I actually started out as a a nurse's aide when I was 18, then became a LPN and then an RN. And then I was going on to get a master's in nursing when I decided that's not what I wanted to do. By that time, I had worked in pediatrics, cardiology, and I worked on a renal respiratory unit. And then I went to work in the SICU. Um, I finally decided I wanted to go ahead and go to med school when I was actually 26 years old. That was after watching all the doctors for eight years come through, and I figured out the nephrologists were pretty much the smartest doctors out there, and I wanted to be one of those people, and I wanted to have a challenge. That's pretty amazing. You know, I've heard people say that before about um, nephrologists being the the smartest doctors they'd come across in training, but your path is, is pretty unique. That's really something. So was that your only experience with nephrology before applying or did you rotate again through a nephrology department in medical school? Um, actually, no. I was one of those rare people that I actually knew what I wanted to do when I hit medical school and uh, decided I didn't really want to do any nephrology rotations when I was in medical school because I already knew the different aspects of that. So when I was in medical school, I actually rotated through some of the specialties that I thought would be very helpful for nephrology, um, like oncology, rheumatology, dermatology even. Uh, to try to learn as much about the other specialties as I could, uh, because I knew I would get plenty of nephrology down the line. When I was a nurse um, on the renal unit, 
um, we were actually taught how to do the peritoneal dialysis. So I was actually doing peritoneal dialysis with the patients while they were in the hospital. So I already had some experience um, with that and with the transplant patients. That's fantastic, you know, because we, we hear that there is a often a lack of opportunity to see things like peritoneal dialysis for medical residents and trainees today. So that's great that you were able to participate in that early on. So you did end up becoming a nephrologist, and today you have quite a busy career. I know you and I have talked before, but it would be amazing if you could give us an overview of the different aspects of your work today and um, what a typical week looks like, if there is such a thing. Well, one of the things I ended up doing was when I I did not know this when I went to medical school, but there was actually a transplant fellowship um, available. And I actually learned that when I was an intern from one of my nephrology attendings. And that's when I decided I wanted to go ahead and add on another year of transplant so I could take care of transplant and dialysis and CKD patients. So I've kind of got a unique perspective because I do it all. In the big institutions, a lot of the transplant nephrologists just do the transplant um, or the regular nephrologists just do uh, general nephrology or dialysis or some do nephrology and throw in a few transplant patients. So I do it all. We actually had a transplant program in Wichita, Kansas um, that did finally close after about um, 10 years after I was here and I was the medical director of that program. Uh, Once they left, I thought I really wouldn't be doing any pre or post you know, transplant work again. But then we had a program from Kansas City come in, St. Luke's, and they came in. We've got a transplant um, uh, office here in Wichita. So we work up patients pre-dialysis or pre-transplant, send them to Kansas City. They're followed there for six weeks. And after the first six weeks, they're kicked back to our clinic in Wichita. So I'm the medical director of that program. I'm also in a private nephrology group, uh, one of the rare birds that we are not owned by any other institution. So there are eight of us physician owners in our practice. Um, we are all equals in our practice and uh, we run the business. I did not know how to run a business when I left medical school. I knew how to be a doctor. So I've had to learn a lot about business the last 15 years uh, with my partners teaching me how to do that. Uh, We've also opened up a uh, vascular access center. So three of my partners have trained to do uh, the vascular procedures in our vascular um, center where we do take out the um, IJs, put in IJs, do fistulograms, angioplasties. Um, One of my partners actually does renal artery stents. We have a doctor who does peripheral angios in that group. Um, And we also put in peritoneal dialysis catheters in our vascular access center. Um, During the week, um, I have office clinic here in Wichita. Uh, I also go to three towns in the rural areas. The farthest one is two and a half hours away. Uh, where I am the medical director of a dialysis unit there. I go there once a month for two days at a time. I see the dialysis patients on dialysis. I do my medical director role there. And then I also have a clinic where I see all the uh, CKD patients um, and any other renal problems that they may have in the rural clinic. I also um, do hospital rounds when I'm in Wichita. We actually have about 10 hospitals in Wichita. Some of them are specialty hospitals. So we usually round about three hospitals um, uh, a day 
um, in Wichita, and then we split up the smaller hospitals, so we're not running to 10 hospitals, each of us. So we split up the hospital rounds, and I also am on the um, Network 12 Medical Review Board uh, via the Kansas City office. We meet uh, four times a year, three on the phone and one in person. Many interns and uh, residents probably don't even know what the networks are, but Medicare has divided the country into different networks that help control and track all of the um, dialysis units, facilities, transplant programs, um, so they can track all the information. And so Network 12 includes Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas. So we are kind of over the dialysis units and transplant programs in those four states. So I sat on that board to kind of help um, impl implement um, guidelines and recommendations for Medicare. Um, when I am out of town, I have my seven partners that are very trustworthy and can um, help cover me and my patients uh, when I'm out of town. Then one other thing I do do every week is we do a conference call with the transplant program in Kansas City. So about two and a half hours a week, uh, we do uh, review all the patients who have been worked up in the transplant program to identify if they're going to be a candidate or not. Um, I'm also a, a board member um, volunteer on the National Kidney Foundation for the Wichita uh, program, and I'm very um, involved in fundraising and participating uh, for the National Kidney Foundation to get the word out um, about nephrology and patients on dialysis and transplant. And thank you for that. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I mean, I, I've heard you describe this before, but it just boggles my mind. It's really amazing, Lisa. Um, it sounds to me that as a rural nephrologist, you have to have a much broader knowledge base than you might if you were working um, in a metropolitan area, so covering policy, transplant, vascular access, and maybe a, a broader spectrum of responsibilities as well. Do you think that's a fair description? Oh, that is so true. I actually, one of the reasons why I went into nephrology is I never wanted to be bored. And I can tell you 100% I'm never bored. Just when I think I might have seen it all, something new pops up. Um, of course, all the new information coming out um, in medicine in the last 15 years is amazing, um, including genetics and research. Just trying to keep up on all of that has been overwhelming at times. Um, so we do, in the rural areas, there are not very many of us. So we have to be well-rounded people, almost like a general practitioner for nephrology. Right. I was actually just going to say that too, that it sounds a lot like more of a primary care role than you would you would have in a city. That is true. And actually, when I first went into practice, um, most of the nephrology patients are very, very complicated, whether they're on dialysis or transplant. And it's been very difficult in the past to find other physicians to assist in taking care of these people. So for many years, nephrologists, we have been the primary care doctors also for our dialysis and transplant patients. With healthcare changing um, around 2010, it's um, mandated pretty much that everybody have a primary care physician so they can kind of be a gatekeeper for all the patients. And so many of my patients do have, most of them now have primary care physicians. And it's hard for me to be a primary care physician for a patient who lives 150 miles away. 
Um, fortunately, a lot of the family practice and internists coming out these days, uh, we do, um, I am on the faculty of KU, Kansas University School of Medicine and the uh, osteopathic schools. We uh, teach medical students, residents. They rotate through our uh, nephrology practice. We try to teach them as much about nephrology as possible so it's not so scary when they're out there and practice by themselves. It sounds like it's difficult to recruit rural nephrologists or perhaps any specialists um, to work in rural areas. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's the the way people grow up. Um, Most of us um, go back to what we're comfortable with. Um, A lot of people have grown up in the cities and they want all the theater and movie theaters and restaurants Um, available to them and their families. And so even as a nephrologist, I grew up in a small town. In fact, I didn't even grow up in town. I grew up on a farm uh, where it was 10 miles to to the nearest small town of 8,000. And I'm comfortable in small towns and villages and I can entertain myself and I love to read books. But if you have a spouse who is not in healthcare, you know, and they're married to a nephrologist and they go to a small town and they may be from a big city, it's, it's not, it's not their cup of tea. That's not what they're um, comfortable with. Yeah. And it also sounds to me maybe that we as a health system need to recruit doctors who've grown up in different settings, you know, for getting a lot of suburban and uh, urban medical students, and maybe it will continue to be hard to recruit people to more rural areas where these specialists are needed. That is actually uh, kind of what Kansas University does. They have started um, a program here in the 70s where they would send 50 medical students down to Wichita uh, for their last two years of uh, medical school. And so we then had a lot more one-on-one time with different attendings instead of fighting residents and fellows um, in the big cities. Uh, They now have um, all four years down in Wichita and some in Salina, Kansas, which is an even smaller town. And Salina also has nephrologists, so um, they have access to nephrology there also uh, in their rotations. That's great. Which is very helpful. What would you say are some of your favorite and more challenging aspects of your work today? My favorite, actually one of my partners just said it, even with all the other stuff we have to put up with and tolerate with the rules, we still, when you go in that room and you're one-on-one with the patient, that is my favorite time. I love being able to interact one-on-one with with those patients. I actually have two pages of instructions. So when a patient comes to me for their very first visit, they walk out knowing what their CKD is from, what level of CKD they have, when they need to start dialysis. We go over parathyroid hormone, vitamin D, uric acid, A1Cs, blood pressure, and lipids. At the first visit, numbers are given to the patients so they know what they need to do to help treat their kidney disease and slow the progression to kidney failure. Um, I love the education part. Um, it's one of my favorite parts. The, the, the difficult things that I deal with are the same things that physicians all over America are having trouble with. That is dealing with the insurance companies. Um, the different formularies, 
Uh, Kansas is one of the states that has not yet expended Medicaid. So I still have patients who do not have health insurance. They make just a little bit too much for Medicaid. They make too much to help qualify for subsidies with the ACA program. And if they don't have any papers, um, legal papers, they have to present to the emergency room to get their dialysis. Uh, That is very, very challenging. It is frustrating to the emergency rooms, the hospitals, um, and to the residents in training who end up admitting these patients for their dialysis and then discharging them. That, that That is very challenging. It's very sad that we feel like we are giving these patients totally inadequate care um, because they are doing their care through the emergency room. Some of the states do have these patients put on their state Medicaid uh, plan so they can get into a a stable dialysis unit. Uh, We here in Kansas do not have that yet. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of administrative and, and policy barriers to providing the care that you want to provide. The other thing that we have problems with is medications, you know, patients can't afford their medicines. And I'm very pleased that Congress is starting to look into this now nationwide to try to get the price of drugs controlled. Um, Right now, I've been trying for six months to get a patient on GenRQ um, for uh, PKD. Um, I'm trying to get another patient, Akthar, uh, to treat his FSGS recurrence in a transplant. Um, the GenRQ, I've worked six months, still haven't gotten it approved. I've worked two weeks on the ACTHAR prior approval uh, to try to get it approved for what my patients need. Um, and Sensapar is very expensive for the dialysis patients. It's now in the bundle, but then they can't afford it after they get a transplant, and transplant medications are expensive. So medications are very expensive and most of my practice we all have the same patients that everybody else does and so we end up using a lot of generics um, whatever it takes to get their blood pressure and sugars down that does sound really frustrating and you guys sound like you're really trying to make do with what you have and one thing we like to end these episodes with is if you were giving advice to medical students or internal medicine residents today who are interested or might be interested in nephrology, what would you tell them? I would tell them to do as many different rotations as you can. Um, Internal medicine, they go through a couple of um, nephrology rotations anyway, but if you're not sure what you want to do, do as many different rotations as you can um, in all the different specialties to see what you really like to do. And it's it's very difficult to choose a career right off the bat and you've got to find something that you can be happy with for the next 30 or 40 years in your practice. Uh, You don't want to be bored, um, but you don't want to be so overwhelmed that you you can't work anymore if you get burned out. You still have to have a well-rounded life. I mean, even though I have a job, I'd love to travel. I've been to all seven continents. I love to read. I read uh, novels and I like to work in the yard. You want to still make sure you're a well-rounded person. You cannot be 100% medicine um, in your career these days. It's just, it's overwhelming. And I don't want to be one of those physicians that has to work till I'm 80 uh, because that's all I can do. I I have things to do when I want to retire. Uh, So you have to make sure you're a well-rounded person. (laughs) That's great advice. Great advice for all physicians, actually. 
Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Weber. Uh, the National Kidney Foundation wants to hear from our listeners. If you are a nephrologist and you would like to come on the podcast to talk about your career, or if you're a medical student or resident considering nephrology and you have a question about working in the field, please email us at nkfpodcast at kidney.org. Thank you.